Networks with Adam Montiel and Jeremy West, live. Welcome to a brand new week of Liquid Lunch. Uh, Jeremy, it's so weird to say Jeremy's on vacation again. He's always on vacation. How does he negotiate this much vacation? No, Because I'm doing the math in my head. You know, a couple weeks in July, right before the fair. Where is he? Is he fishing again? He's, he's he going back up with his buddies up in the, in the Pacific Northwest to go fishing again. And it's like, that's a week and a half. And I know he does something with his one with his wife where they go to Mexico in like March. Like how many how much vacation did you negotiate in your contract? That's pretty remarkable. So uh lucky guy. You're lucky guy, right? And they say Americans don't do it enough. Take vacation. Well, he is ex- exactly the opposite. He he gets his vacation and good for him. Um, but I get to hear to drink the wine and talk Templeton Gap with uh, Paso Wines, Chris Toronto. It what is up? Great. What's up, dude? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm really good. Did you have a nice weekend? I did. I'm really happy to be down and slow today, too, because it is, it is pretty warm up, up there right yeah, now. Yeah, it's at least triple digits, right? Yeah, it's, already. Yeah. yeah, it's getting there. But yeah, no, good, great weekend. It's yeah. weird. We have like, oh, look on my Apple... Um, on my Apple, like, weather, and it says for slow, like, smoke. Mm-hmm. Where's the smoke coming from? That's not the Dixie it's Fire, is it? be the Dixie Fire. I, I mean, it's like, it's like the largest fire now in California history, Yeah, right? I guess it is. I guess it takes a while to get down here, but maybe it literally yeah. did. With, with the Ugh. winds and the wind direction. Yeah. It's pretty bad. I mean, the smoke itself, it's uh, my my uh, 10-year-old, he has asthma, and he's, uh, he's in the midst of, of having uh-huh. a lot of, yeah. Yucky yeah, junk and stuff. You know? mm-hmm. And then also it can affect your throat. I noticed my throat mm-hmm. and my just nasal. You know, talking during the morning show, going like, "Wow, you feel it a little bit more. It's a little more sensitive today." Yeah. But um, hopefully not too sensitive. You can still s- smell this wine. Yeah, well, I love <laughs> you know I love Viognier, and we're going to talk all about the Templeton Gap yeah. today. And I'm excited because we got uh, two fun brands in here: Seven Angels, Four Lanterns, Greg Martin, Steve Gleason, respectively. And these are both brands. And uh, gentlemen, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being here. Oh, by the way, great uh, to be here. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, same here. You know, um, the Templeton Gap isn't just you know. I want to talk about where it came from, but it is a very real dynamic, and it's kind of like. Real to everybody in their own way. I mean, depending on where you are, I've been at like a Pelletieri thing at the house there, and you know, three p.m. rolls around, and you got umbrellas flying everywhere. I mean, like it is no joke. This Templeton Gap, and we're going to talk about the influence that it. It's more than just a, you know a sub AVA. There is influence in this wine. There is a dynamic here. Mm-hmm. But one thing I was teasing last hour is the name Templeton Gap. Templeton Gap. You know who coined that term? I do. Who was that? It was. I'm, you you know don't I you? do, but I'm going to let you because uh, I teased it earlier, so um. I'm acting like I don't. But you told me. <laughs> I'm going to act surprised sure? too. No, I mean you 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 can you can break the news. Kenny Volk, forgot, right? Yes, forgot. it's Kenny Volk. <laughs> yes. See, I almost thought I was going to be I wrong. I wanted to see yeah. if he was actually reading my stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why and how and all of this is is that if you go to PasoWine.com, you're going to see we have a, a a blog that comes out that that I uh, often contribute to, mm-hmm. especially with the AVAs, and so. Right now, live and on the site is a blog about the Templeton Gap District and the fact that Kenny Volk actually coined that term back in like 1982 or something like that. Uh, and that came about uh, in, in how we found out, though, was in the petition. So back in 2007, we had all these petitions to create all these 11 uh, different districts with yeah. uh, the Paso AVA. In some of that language in there, it, when they talk about, because you have to have some sort of a justification for a name. Yeah. It basically was like Ken Volk is the guy who's, who yeah. said Templeton Gap. First. By the way, you heard of him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. We're, we're going to kind of name drop him in our uh, application. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so, so he, so where did this come from? He goes, oh, the Templeton Gap. I mean, is this kind of like, I mean, there's other ones in other wine countries. Yeah, there's like Pet- the, the Petaluma Gap. Right. The, you know, there's other yeah. places where you have little dips in elevation or, or, or openings, if you will, from between landmass and water and, and a valley, and and it allows this influx of cooling air to come in. And so it's not necessarily a new term, but the fact that Kenny, because where he was uh, with Wild Horse, kind of over in like the East Templeton area, with this perfect view shot of this mountain range where you basically see this kind of almost emblematic mm-hmm. kind of dip in elevation in the near mountains is you know, in essence, the same out in the, the larger, uh, higher up elevations of the Santa Lucia mountain range. Mm-hmm. And so for Ken, it was obvious. It was right there in front of him, and mm-hmm. that wind would come in through the gap and be able to cool off his property so quickly. And, you know, and I mean, these guys can attest, and we're going to be talking about that, how powerful that wind really can be 
uh, not only as as a force, but also in cooling off vineyards and what yeah. and what that effect has. So obviously that diurnal shift, right, Steve? That's probably yep. it's contributing to that's what makes Paso so special that we're able to get so warm in the day and so cool at night. Sometimes forty, fifty degrees difference. Is that because of the Templeton Gap? Yeah, absolutely. Because you get that nice cold air coming in off the ocean, you know, and it's great for the grapes. So it's we're very lucky. Now, sometimes wind can cause like shatter and bad things if at the right, if at the wrong time, I should say. Yeah. Uh, does the Templeton Gap ever have, you know, parts that peeve you? Um, or is it all? Yeah, uh, no, we get shatter from time to time. Um, that's just part of life. That's just know? part I, of. I'd, yeah. I'd rather have the big diurnal shift that the winds cause um, and live with the little bit of shatter than have it the other way around. So for someone it. who doesn't know, um, Four Lanterns, you're located on the 46 West? That's right. What part? Uh, we're about three miles west of the 101. So when you get off that exit heading towards Cambria, yeah, about three miles down, three and a quarter down, we're on your left. Okay. A yellow farmhouse there and a terraced vineyard going up the hill. And the westernmost, I think, right? Westernmost we the, brand in the Templeton Gap District? That's where it starts. So the, the line actually cuts off about 10 to 20% of our vineyard. Um, so most of that... We have two vineyards, so mm-hmm. most of that vineyard is in the Willow Creek District, but that 10 to 20% is in the Templeton Gap, so it kind of starts there. You're double dipping and, in and the you district. know where it ends? Where? At Greg's place. Yeah. So oh, is that right? It's the, so we actually are bookending the Templeton Gap here today. What a kind trip. Cool. That's really cool. Uh, Greg, let us know where you're from, Seven Angels. Well, Seven Angels is uh, right off of the 101. Uh, actually, um, we back up to the Salinas River on the east side uh, at, at Vineyard Drive. And we're down, uh, we, we're a little bit south of that, about half a mile south. So uh, uh, we, we experience a lot of the, the gap movement uh, in the afternoons. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a regular thing. And, uh, and chatter is, is one of those, those things that, that is, is we live with as well. And, um, um, but it's interesting, um, the, uh, the, the elevation changes uh, quite abruptly uh, at our our property, we have a, a 250 foot rise uh, over a couple of uh, vineyards that uh, uh, they just bring about uh, lots of wind, I mean, and it's amazing. Uh, we're really lucky having uh, the hilltop uh, uh, pond as it is. Um, it, does it, it kind of create a little bit of a like a bodyguard to it, and, or block it, or does it, it kind of create like a convection thing? Or? Well, actually, it's 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 more a, a temperature thing. Mm. So we can we uh, at our uh, hilltop uh, pond, it's it's fairly large. Uh, we get uh, it's like the 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 uh, nature's air conditioning. You know, it's like a swamp cooler. Air comes airflow comes right across this water body of water cools it down at least 10 or 12 degrees uh, in the afternoons when that, you know, the wind comes up. It's, yeah. So it's a, it's nice little air conditioning. You, you know what else the wind's good for? What? It's not the grapes. It's the customers. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they sit there and that wind comes in and all of a sudden it's nice and cool. And, That's you know, a great point. It really takes the edge off the heat. It's yeah. Great. That's a really great we point. Should, we should talk a little bit about why the wind. Can, can I do that? Please. Is that all right? Yeah, let's, okay. let's, talk, let's, let's get into the Viognier first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah talk let's about the significance of the Templeton Gap in this Viognier, and then, yeah, I want Chris to break down wh- the why, because that's really interesting. Well, the the, uh, the Viognier is not actually on our property. We we do have some estate fruit. We have, uh, uh, as far as whites, we we do a, a Chardonnay that uh, is pretty spectacular. But the uh, Viognier is, is uh, actually uh, right down the road, uh, uh, Anderson Road, at the end there from... Okay. Uh, that, then that Walker. would be Willow Creek. Yeah. So yeah, Willow, Willow Creek. Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, Chris, the, the Templeton Gap, the dynamic of it, yes, there is one sub-EVA yeah. named that, but the dynamic of the Templeton Gap affects many of the sub Absolutely, it does. It, it affects everything in its path, basically. Yeah, right. So as it goes east, so what happens? Why, why do we have this wind? Well, we do have this kind of overall dip in, in elevation. So if you've ever been out Highway 46 West and you go up and over, uh, over to the coast, um, that's what we're talking about is, is that that little pass through that is kind of a natural one and also engineered, but still, I mean, they took the path of least resistance and why? Because there are these kind of, um, uh, valleys and the like that flow east to west, basically, uh, there's an overall dip in elevation. And so what that ends up doing is when it gets really warm over in the, in the Paso area, mm-hmm. we're talking all of Paso, right? Warm air rises, right? 
essentially also creates this vacuum because then it, if it, it in essence mixes with the cool ocean air. Then that warm and cool and moisture thing happening creates the fog that we have and those big fog banks that we have. Yeah, this the marine time layer, yeah. Right. And as that fog bank goes out during the heat of the day, uh, it sits out there offshore, and then when it gets really good and warm uh, over in Paso and that hot air starts to rise, it starts to mix, that fog moving in is really just developing fog. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's, that's the vacuum effect. Hot air rising, cool air getting pulled in through the mountain range, over the mountain range, and then it affects the rest of the Paso AVA. And that's why we have such a great diurnal temperature swing is yeah. because we can get really warm during the day but cool off at night. Yeah. Yeah, and then that wind, of course, coming across, it goes, yes, right through the Templeton Gap District. It touches on on uh, the Willow Creek District as well, El Pomar, Estrella, even Geneseo, far east. Yeah, right, even, sure. Even feels the effects of it. And it's wind. It's wind is kind of like water. It finds its way, so it's going to bank and bounce off of hillsides and things. And, and so it'll be maybe windier one place where there's a wind shadow in another. Yeah. And that's why all of these districts are so in, in unique, basically. If you were to put like some glitter and just throw it up in the air, <laughs> or like a, a like a or like a helium balloon, and how long do you think it would take for that bit of wind, that little chunk of wind that's blowing, to get to say Eberly? <laughs> I mean, it's impossible to know. But do you think like a couple like a, how fast do you think wind moves? I mean, it seems I like mean, it blows. It's, it's moving at like at, at about twenty. 25 yeah. knots, you yeah. know, so it's moving. It's moving pretty good. It's, you know, standing flags up on end. And right. So you need some pretty good wind to be able to do that. So I imagine, you know, you, the air that's coming from the ocean within 20, 30 minutes finds its way to pass yeah. them, maybe. But but places like, like Steve's place, for instance, that is probably the place that cools off first yeah. because they're going to get the wind first. But it's not just the wind and then it's cold. I mean, no, right. it's wind and it's consistent. And it's also likely cooler when it's getting to Steve's place versus when it gets to Greg's because it's traveled a distance and that distance has had time for it to potentially lose its coolness from yeah, yeah, yeah. being ocean breezes you know, sometimes to being when wind you movement. see like a weather, like the weather people on TV and like they look at like the topography from like a bird's eye perspective and wind is sometimes just illustrated by blue lines, yeah, right. you know, going yeah. different. But like to see all of our topography and to kind of conceptualize where those blue lines would like, you know, curve around or where mm. they would go like around your property, this property. I mean, it's really fascinating to see because this really is maybe the biggest signature on to why Paso Wine is so Paso. That and, and soil, absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And you know, we, we should say that Adelaide District and some of the other places, even Willow Creek to some extent, they're still getting cooling influence. Mm-hmm. It's just that we have this gap, this almost funnel mm-hmm. that's allowing the wind to come in and, and almost not unobstructed, it's obstructed. If it was unobstructed, it'd probably be like Los Osos Valley or something. Right. Like. Um, but it but it does come in with this bit of force to it. But if you just go a couple miles to the north on, say, Vineyard Drive uh-huh. into Willow Creek and maybe even dancing over onto Adelaide, right. those breezes are much more mellow. Not interesting. But yet they're still doing the job. Yeah. I like that analogy uh, about the glitter. Yeah. I, it just makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about the visual of that. Yeah. If you could do it, you know, with uh, tons and tons of glitter. And just see how long it takes <laughs> yeah. to get over there. Why Biodegradable not? glitter, of course. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you got to get someone to all just drop on my driveway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, tell me a little bit more about uh, Seven Angels when you you began there and, uh, and how what the story is about. Well, it it was a, a dairy farm uh, from 1950 till uh, the 80s, and then it was repurposed uh, for a, a a different uh, thing, a, a equestrian. Um, uh, business uh, extracting plasma and shipping it worldwide um, for equestrian surgeries. These are, Whoa. yeah, so. Uh, and That's last, a thing? Uh, that is. A, that is so interesting. It's, it's a multi-million dollar thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny because somebody called my morning show you know, one time. So I used to do this thing called um, the, uh, it was the cell phone salute. And I would, people would register their numbers. And I would call them. They'd have to answer, hey, I'm up and at them in the morning, right? Uh-huh. Without even saying hello. Like, they have to answer that way. And, one, and then if they didn't, I would kind of mess with them and da-da-da-da. <laughs> so one of the places I called, and I can't imagine there's a lot of you guys or a lot of people who are doing but they talked about horse plasma. Yeah. And I was, like, just blown away. It sounded yeah. so interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, and they take uh, retired racehorses. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
horses that uh, you know have behavioral problems, uh, but they're very healthy. Yeah. And so for uh, the last 25 years, they were using uh, that property, uh, leasing it just uh, to let these uh, these uh, groups, uh, you know, graze and and uh, pasture and and wow. be in their element. Uh, so it was a neat thing to get it. Um, it just it. Uh, I'd been looking for a property just that you know that type uh, with challenges and uh, but it was in is a blank slate so we when did you have, take this over what year is this this was 2013 okay and uh, but there were no roads no no infrastructure whatsoever uh, and again we we have these uh, very steep inclines and and, and uh, so it was a challenge it took about three years to uh, grade things out get roads in and uh, and then start planting that so yeah. three four year thing wow that's pretty cool yeah, it's uh, it's now we're we're into uh, you know our our sixth seventh leaf or on uh, most of the and obviously when you when you're sitting in there and you're kind of like deciding where you're going to like settle down, you know you might not be thinking in the terms of seven sub ADAs because that might not have been quite a thing. Well, I guess it kind of was. We was talked about in 2013. Yeah, it was yeah. Fun, I, mean, I mean, yeah. Are you thinking of that? Are you thinking like, oh, this is Templeton Gap area? Or this is like da 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 da. Well, it just it, it was just a, an epiphany when I saw that pro, a, a friend, uh, you know, uh, Jack Creek, mm-hmm. uh, Doug and Sabrina. He he'd been scouting things for me too, and uh, he 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 found this. And he says, Greg, I think you you might have something here. So that's what we did. Um, we just you know, went forward, did the science, did uh, you know, uh, uh, soil samples, uh, 21 pits around the property. It's a 93-acre property. Yeah. We, we do have about 24 planted right now. And how long does it take you to – I mean, I was talking to Joe Barton from Grey Wolf, and he's still going like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really learning my vineyard now. And, of course, he's been there for oh. 20 years. Yeah. But, I mean, so I know it's always a thing. You're always picking up things and what yeah. goes where. But were you talking to neighbors in the beginning? And, like, how do you kind of get your footing on what this earth is – what can I expect from it? Well, you know, it, it, you mentioned Ken Volk. Uh, there's – back in the day, I, I really loved uh, – you know, his Pinot was stellar. But he, he had some Chardonnay back there and a, a small block of it. But – uh, and uh, it's been long since pulled, but uh, we have a, a small Chardonnay block, and, and uh, it's just amazing. Uh, that's that's our only uh, white varietal that's a state. But, uh, How fun! Yeah, yeah it's that'd really, be fun to try. But uh, yeah, but uh, you know, so we learned from Ken indirectly, basically from his you know finished product yeah. back in the uh, in the eighties, uh, late eighties and nineties. Yeah, that's pretty. Do you cool. have Pinot planted there? What do you plant? We don't have uh, Pinot. We do have a Pinot, but I get it from Edna, Edna Valley. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, we we have uh, Rhone blends, um, in particular, uh, planting there with uh, Morvedra and Syrah, and, and uh, we have about uh, seven varietals. Everything's cool. kind of in the, on the seven level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, where does the name come from? Uh, we have seven kids, and uh, my wife would... Uh, they couldn't know, have all been angels. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> there's, yeah. It's always one. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, but <laughs> at night, you know, when they're, you know, right. asleep, they yeah. look that way. Sure. But, there's uh, some fun similarities in these guys, too, because I think uh, Four Lanterns, Steve would get into his four oh, daughters. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, well, let's pass that next wine. Can you uh, sure. grab me that spit cup over there, Greg? Yeah. What do we think the next one? So we have another one from Seven Angels, and we got two from Four Lanterns. Let's see uh, the Tempranillo from Steve. Oh, great. Cool. That's a good idea. Tempranillo is fun. Um, where do you grow this one, Steve, and oh, how does the Templeton Gap affect it? So it is in the Templeton Gap. Um, and this is actually when we bought, we bought the property from Janet Hope, Austin's aunt, mm-hmm. um, so we're right, right across the street from Austin and behind Summerwood there. That's right. not where the winery is. That's where our second vineyard is. Yeah. Um, and I planted Tempranillo because it's a Spanish varietal. And I'm just thinking about global warming and, you know, we need something that can handle the heat. So that's, that's, why, I picked temp, that's why I picked Tempranillo. Yeah. How does it do? It must do great. Well, taste it. Yeah, awesome. I love it. Do you find that certain, um, oh, certain Spanish... Like it, huh? Are these grapes yeah. that do better than others in either Paso or within the Templeton Gap, Chris? I think, well, with the Templeton Gap, I think anything mm. anything that doesn't want a whole lot of heat. Now, this particular grape can definitely handle the heat. Like right. it, it can it can go for it, right? With Tempranillo, but I think anything that can that can utilize the coolness of the Templeton Gap district 
is going to be what's going to shine over there. Yeah, that's and a good with point. Kenny, you know, way back when, when Kenny was planting Pinot and Chardonnay on his property, but also like Gerwurzterwiener yeah. and uh, uh, Blaufrankisch and a few other of his, you know, things that he'd like to do. Yeah. I think he was probably a bit ahead of his time at that point in time, but then, like Greg had said, you know, indirectly, well, I think people kind of have learned from that, and mm-hmm. so they're able to do what Paso does with, let's just say, varieties like uh, Tempranillo that love the heat, but then also Chardonnay. Yeah. I mean, uh, even though, uh, well, actually, um, Mark's property is Pinot. Pinot Noir. Yeah. And, of course, it is in the Templeton Gap as well, right? Yep. Yeah, 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 and so where we where you have one of the most prominent Pinot vineyards, yeah. the Windward, uh, is in the Templeton Gap district, yeah. right there across from Austin Hope. What do you like about this wine, Greg? Uh, the Tempranillo. Yeah, uh, this is lovely. Not great. It's, it's got great body. It's uh, it's and good balance. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah talk about making this one, well, Steve. So one thing about the the diurnal shift, we talked about that uh, a lot, and that's one of the hallmarks of the Templeton Gap. Um, so if you get a hot day and a hot night, um, the integrity of the fruit starts to degrade and you also lose malic acid. So if the cool nights enable the fruit to maintain that malic acid so that when you harvest, you have better acidity and then you can go through ML, um, after you're done with your primary fermentation. So that's one of the key things about having that cool wind come in Mm. that helps with the integrity of the fruit that we have here. And oh. this is a really lovely, very vel- oh. I mean, almost like subtle, velvety uh, tempranillo. This is this is not a an Argentinian right or a yeah. you know version or a Spanish Rioja version or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. definitely Paso. And it, yeah. <laughs> I uh, used only French oak on this. Where you know in uh, Rioja they'll use American oak. Oddly, um, they'll ship oak. From here all the way over there, and in the meantime, we're shipping French oak all the way over. There. Right, right. Um, but this year, I'm actually I bought two American oak barrels because I'm going to try a little bit in American oak and see how I like it, and then cool. blend it with the French oak afterwards. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how see how it comes out. What does this one go for a bottle? This is forty eight dollars. Great bottle of wine. I love Tempranillo from Paso. Uh, what about that first one, that Viena that we tried from you, Greg, from Seven Angels? Do we know how much that is? Uh, a price point is yeah. uh, twenty eight. Wonderful. Wonderful, cool. We got a four lanterns. We got seven angels here. We got Chris Toronto. We are talking about the Templeton Gap. Is this one of these? Uh, have you like figured out? I mean, I know like the Highland Sabavier. There's, mm-hmm. I don't think any tasting rooms, right? Um, no, not one. No. But have you figured out like where your most dense kind of sub-AVAs are? I think it might be Willow Creek. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Willow Creek has the the, the density on the on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I have, I have a Willow Creek blog coming out here pretty soon. Too. Do you really? Yeah. That's good. So be. that one that one will be, that's the last one actually in the series. What were some, uh, I mean, obviously if you've done 11 of these, you yeah. must have learned. I mean, obviously you're doing what you're doing, so you already know a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff, but you must have really picked up a lot on it. The, the history, I mean, I, hopefully people will go to PasoWine.com. Because you can go back and read blog. these. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. These are good. Because they're, they're pretty neat. Uh, the history, going back and doing a lot of the research on them. I mean, I use the AVA petition uh, documents, of course, because it gives you a ton of history, and you know, and turning turning it into a narrative uh, is is kind of fun, you know, because yeah. I, you have to read through it all to get all of the little bits and pieces, and then kind of start mashing it together. Uh, but then also just getting on and and finding little leads on on like one of the weirdest things was is one of the founders of Knott's Berry Farm actually had a small farm over in the San Juan Creek district of Paso prior to be coming Knott's Berry Farm. Whoa. Right? It was kind of it was kind of neat, but that this, this was a guy who was trying to make it in life and farming and agriculture and he found himself here in the Paso area for a short while of time before relocating to Buena Park and then starting Knott's Berry Farm. Damn, so Knott's so, Berry so Farm there's could a, here, yeah. Yeah, there's interesting <laughs> really neat little stories. Yeah. Uh you know, Santa Margarita district and and their their whole uh relationship with the Asistencia being that assistant um, mission, if you will. So it was like a mission that wasn't an official mission, but it was a mission because it was, you know, at the top of the grade after coming up and over the mountains. Right. That was a good place to kind of rest. And so they created this this mission that wasn't part of the, the mission system, the system, but right. yet was still part of it. You yeah. Know? And and, it, and the stories behind that is like, yeah, it was it's pretty neat. What's well, like? I feel like San Juan might be like the forgotten AVA. Is that the forgotten one? Is that the redheaded step <laughs> AVA? 
I think, well, let's see, San Juan, I don't even think they have a tasting room either. Really? Yeah. yeah. And it's long and it's funky looking. What's in there? You know? Who's in there? San Juan Creek. Uh, That's a tough one. I can't even, I can't, honestly. There's a couple of vineyards up there. I can't even there. place it. Where is it? It's like Shandon. Okay. Okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So Highland, that's kind of like Camp Four, right? That's yeah. Camp Four Vineyards up there. I mean, sorry, oh, no, yeah, Highland, no, uh, Highland Vienes, or not Vienesito? Sorry, uh, French Camp, French, French Camp, Camp, French Camp, Camp Vineyard is mixed and, up with Santa Barbara County, my and bad. Shell Creek Vineyards. Yes, are basically the two big vineyards yeah. that both occupy almost the entire Highlands district. Uh-huh. And that place is pretty cool too. That, yeah, that, is that's it? got Highlands has has some interesting like the the reason why it's called French Camp and, yeah. and but also doing all the research though on all of the uh, um AVAs also you know it goes back in time to look at how agriculture started in our area Whoa. and how many uh immigrants uh were here where they had French camps or Swiss or Spanish or, you know, or Italians and all of these, you know, the Europeans that had come trying to go and make it rich in the gold rush and then didn't. Yeah. Went back into agricultural roots and moved their way south and then found this area, basically. You know, it's it's some neat stories out there that are not necessarily in the blog. I don't, you know, I try to stick to wine. Yeah. But I put a little bit of of some of the history in them. and and, That's really cool. Was there one sub-AVA that you just kind of fell in love with a little bit more because it fascinated you, and as you researched on it and wrote about it? El Pomar. Like, El Pomar. Yeah. That's El a Pomar. Cool yeah. It was kind of neat because the, they were all about almonds there for the longest oh, time. Oh, really? And you, you think Adelaide or you think you know the Western Hills as being like, because you see them still up there. The trees. Blossoming the trees yeah. and stuff. But really, El Pomar was like, like totally all about like the almonds and, and, and all of that and and. Unfortunately, of course, that they just kind of aged out, uh, but also farming became mechanized and flatter lands prevail, water prevails, and so things moved east. Right. Uh, but the fact that that's kind of what El Pomar was all about uh, in that area, is, that was that was kind of unique and cool. Do you see like a sub-AVA that, say, 10, 15 years from now might actually become more well-traveled? by customers i mean look you have like obviously the 46 west 46 east you have adelaide road you have vineyard which yeah. connects you and you have a lot of these wineries you know i mean there are some wineries like you know geneseo you got Cass, you got um, el pomar and yeah you know i think those areas east that are el pomar yeah. and, and like templeton gap um east of of the highway just places east of the highway but that are not off of the main corridor of 46 east let's just say uh-huh uh, as as people begin to discover it, as people like like Greg, for instance, or Steve, who you know come from somewhere other industry or some other thing with a passion for wine and want to develop you know their lives in this area, East is probably where most opportunity currently is. Mm-hmm. I would I suppose yeah, uh, and so I would think logically then that that would probably be where a growth area would be. So what AVA would be, uh, oh my God, I can like quiz you. I can just say a brand and you tell me the AVA. Oh, geez. No, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Let's try it. Cass. Geneseo. Rava. Pomar. Um, mm-hmm. Oblo. Willow Creek. Yeah, four lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got four lanterns. Answers, but... <laughs> yeah, we got seven that's, that's answers. Like, actually, that's really cool. Wow. Uh, is is he, he just says you have two answers. I, oh, true. I want, I want I Steve to go into this, but it's the neatest thing. We had this media group come into town. We went to Steve's, and, and he has that terraced uh, vineyard there, you mm-hmm. know, across from Niner. It's just so bitchin' looking. You go to the top, and you look down, and you can actually kind of see this see line, the line yeah. in the vineyard. Talk about that. Yeah, well, it used to be a blue line. So a blue line is a where storm flow goes. You know, you get a big rainstorm, and you can... It's mm-hmm. not anymore because across the street they did some soil work and now we don't get the water flowing in that from a rainstorm. Mm. But you can actually see there's a little indentation. Um, so we, we, the vineyard, we have the flats, which are right along 46, and yeah. the terraces, which are up on the hill. So if you're standing looking down at the flats, you can see a line that kind of takes about, about one-third of the way across the flats as you're moving west. There's this line that used to be a seasonal stream bed, um, and that's where the line is. So everything west of that is Willow Creek, and everything east of that is uh, Templeton Gap. Whoa, it's, pre- it's pretty neat. And yeah. I think it's the only place 
in the Paso AVA where there's quite literally a line in between AVAs. Yeah. Because sometimes when it's just like literally in the middle of a block or, yeah, or it could, it could be, be a, or a road or a hillside yeah. or a creek. But I remember when these were drawn out, it was very specific to be around natural dynamics, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's supposed to be around natural. Did things get pushed and pulled in, in certain ways here and there? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, for logistical reasonings or who, who knows? I mean, I know that um, Vina Robles, their vineyard over there, uh, that's, it's, you know, half of it is in Geneseo and half is Pomar, mm-hmm. and it's determined by a ridgeline, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. it just so happens that they have a vineyard that's kind of northwest facing, yeah. going up one side of the ridge and then a southwest facing on the other, and on different eight and sub AVAs, and they're technically in sub wow. different AVAs, yeah. And so I actually often take either trade or or media to that ridgeline to to have this AVA discussion. Yeah. Uh, Greg, let me ask you, and I'll kind of ask Steve afterwards. When this AVA talk kind of became, when did you, did you decide or have you made a decision of like how much we want to try and enlighten or educate customers to it? Uh, do we put the, uh, do we put it on the bottle? If so, what do we put? How much of, are we going to be like using this as a tool to help define the wine? Well, uh, you know, it's a sensory experience for anybody that comes to, you know, our, our tasting room and, uh, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, I, I like to get people in my uh, my little uh, quad and and uh, or my uh, two bench seat uh, mule, I should say, nice. and uh, you know, and and take them through so they get a feel for uh, you know what we're growing, uh, and 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 again the changes from different varietals. So we we focus more on on, on the uh, the vines itself and and not. Much the AVA, but uh, this is this is a, a real eye opener from from uh, this perspective. So uh, now I have some more things in my tool case. Yeah, there you go, Steve. What about you? I mean, I know some people be like on the bottle, boom, Willow Creek, you know, yeah. and uh, and look, there are some, you know, I know we're kind of in this infancy of the eleven AVA still a little bit. It's going to take some time for people to really wrap their heads around it but you know uh willow creek templeton gap some of these adelaida they already have some recognition willow creek is kind of like i don't know you see, see so many cool kids in that um kind of space that it's like oh shoot let's put that on the bottle i don't know have you thought about how you want to use that yeah we do put it like i think you see on the back of the tempranillo oh cool uh actually no that may not it may just say templeton gap does it say it doesn't i um, on the front no yeah just no it doesn't, no, it doesn't. okay yeah. we usually put the AVA on there just for additional information. Oh, no, it does. I totally missed it. Yeah, uh, Paso Robles, Templeton Cap District. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah. It's, it's marketing, you know. I mean, if, if people gravitate towards that and that mm-hmm. helps sell a bottle of wine, then we'll put it on the label. Yeah, are you having people ask about it? Are you having to, like, tell Not the story? Really, no. Really, no. no. It's, yeah. No. Well, the story about the line and the vineyard and where the, you know. Yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah, kind of the border is between the two AVAs. Yeah, as we get into the next wine, Chris, let me ask you. Obviously, Psalms media there are people who should be made to listen to this story and and you know because it helps tell our story a little bit better yeah uh where do you as uh, you know the voice uh, kind of go yeah this is where i'm going to use this tool this is where i'm going to save it wh- wh- who needs to know about this right now mostly trade yeah honestly mostly trade because the consumers it's probably it, it's nearly meaningless to be honest uh for them um right uh for them it's it's uh it's like it's almost noise it's almost confusion mm-hmm. you know unless they're super into it unless yeah. they're like really really into it then okay yeah some wineries are going to position themselves in a way that they're going to be able to explain what makes that particular wine or their brand unique right to that eva but for the trade they really dig it because they're always trying to geek out they're always trying to figure out you know what the the soil and the wind and the terroir and all of that 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 like they're geeking on it. How much of it does it really sell? That's going to come down to the producers and the, and how they position themselves in that, sure. those AVAs. I mean, right now we're it's still work doing the Paso AVA, and so that's why when we did do these um, different districts, we in advance got a conjunctive labeling law put in place. And so that happened in 07, and basically what that did is that preserved the brand, the AVA, Paso Robles, um, as the overarching AVA. And right. so all of the other AVAs or sub-AVAs, which technically 
There's no such word as sub-AVAs. They're basically just AVAs within AVAs or districts, Got it. as we call them. But we still call them sub-AVAs. Yeah. So I, I think everybody, yeah, but in technical terms. Right, 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 right. But anyway, uh, so by doing that, though, then it means that Paso Robles will always be in conjunction with these lesser AVAs. Uh, so it's in conjunction with and also basically of the same font size or larger. So Paso is always more prominently yeah. featured. Yeah, there you go. All about Paso, baby. Yep. It's got to all be about Paso. Um, I like Gary said it when he was at the fair with us. You know, it goes back to that. If uh, if Paso doesn't succeed, Eberly's not going to succeed. You know, if Paso doesn't succeed, Seven Angels isn't going to succeed. If Paso doesn't succeed, Four Lanterns doesn't succeed. So uh, what is this next one? This is a... Uh, it's a blend. What's this what blend of, Craig? Go ahead. Um, well, it's uh, <clears throat> what we call a grace, um, and uh, it is uh, predominantly a, a Zen blend with uh, some Syrah mm-hmm. um, and Grenache and uh, some Cab. Yeah. Well, it's got a little bit of everything in it, huh? Cool. Now, is this kind of emblematic of your vineyard then, or is that it, what? Well, somewhat. We've been uh, used... Uh, doing this uh, varietal or this blend for um, a number of years and uh, just it's been popularized just you know with uh, <laughs> different you know vineyard blocks that we we have and uh, and fruit that we get from you know others um, um, so it'll always kind of be this blend of grapes it, depending you on. know it's it's a moving target yeah so you know by composition it might be three sure six percent uh, change in in you know from year to year, but uh, mm-hmm. we try to stay with the same profile. Yeah. And how do you think the Templeton Gap uh, with the different grapes, I mean, your Zin, which we know is kind of this uneven ripener, uh, Grenache, Syrah, Cab, how do you think the Templeton Gap and where these specific varieties sit in your vineyard uh, is affected? Well, um, I, you know, I'm looking forward to a, a new block that we just planted uh, four years ago. It's a Primitivo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's it's on one of those very steep hillsides, and uh, so uh, we have some of that in the barrel, and um, we'll see what you know occurs with that next year. Yeah, how do how do Steve? You said you got some terraces there that people could see. Yeah. Uh, is that kind of the pain in the ass to farm? I talked to some people, and there's I think it was even Justin at Saxon because he's got that stuff right outside his house that's terraced, and someone else they're like, yeah, it's it's tough. It's I probably would do it the same. It's very steep. So in between the terraces, it's really yeah. Um, so simple things like mowing um yeah it's scary you're on a tractor and you're leaning over yeah you know when you get all this equipment behind you it's 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 a little you know it's a, it's a white knuckly right sure yeah, so yeah that, that, the, the soil the the terrace i mean i think what's really interesting is, is that hillside as you go up it the soil change from down on that flat part that right. you were saying Absolutely. then onto that that hillside and how calcareous it becomes i mean that's pretty slippery stuff yeah I, do you remember we we had that group on the road and we stopped and you because where the roads oh, yeah. cut out you can see what's underneath the ground and it looks like a bricklayer came in and stacked all these calcareous stones. Wow! You know, and it's just that's just what's under the soil right there. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, it is. And then where Greg is and how he backs up to the Salinas uh, River. I mean, I think that you're probably more gravelly um, and and the like, right? Well, uh, yeah. Towards the rivers, there we have uh, some some uh, larger um, cab blocks and some Malbec uh, and our uh, Chardonnay is there. But with regard to you know some of the steeper uh, hillsides, we have, um, for instance, the Primitivo is it's it's high density planting. It's it, they're head trained and they're, they're five by three you know configuration. So it's tight. it's real tight. Yeah. Um, we, we we have to farm it with a, a shovel and a pick. There's no other wow, way, yeah. and and we and we do it from the top down. Off the down. It's easier. You get yeah, but the we that hillside, the hilltop is is all calcareous. It's a, we've got a lot of, you know, shale and um, you know it's an in, interesting composition. So we have different uh, you know soils uh, in that that ninety three acres. Yeah. Now from each side of the Templeton Gap, because like Steve noted, you both are kind of bookends to it, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, how much? How different? Is the soil changing? How different it is from where you're at, Steve, to where you're at, Greg? I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, I have. I'd have to go look. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess we, we need to. <laughs> it sounds similar, but yeah. So you, you've got a lot of that calcareous, that calcareous oh, yeah. shale, and yeah. I, I think the commonality throughout the, the the Templeton Gap District, but then also all around Paso, is that as you have hillsides, you're going to find mm-hmm. calcareous stuff mm-hmm. on the other side of the Salinas River. It's going to be a little bit more decomposed, uh, mm-hmm. so it's going to be more crushed versus rock version that mm-hmm. you might see, say, over at Steve's. Um, and then, but the clay and, and, and loam type of soils, those are just, they're, they're everywhere. I mean, they're in every single district, uh, here, clay loam and sandy loam. Uh, and it all depends on elevation because over time as, yeah. you know, hillsides were worn down and organic material kind of grew and yeah. died and decomposed, yeah. you, you have you know, these, these kind of blends we yeah. basically have 30 different parent soil series mm-hmm. that exist in the Paso AVA. However, the greater majority of it is going to be this calcareous type of, of stuff, this calcium-rich stuff. Yeah. Chris, have you seen or heard of, I think it's called cyst. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Which is just a really, really old stone. Yeah. Um, which, schist. Schist, that's yes. it. Yeah. So we, we just did soil samples, and one of our vineyards came up with schist in the soil. Okay. Uh, and, the, and the scientist actually has, like she's putting it in her pocket. You're schisting me. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's, That's, cool. That's really That's cool. Here. Which vineyard? Uh, it's at the, it's the Willow Creek one, the, the okay. house. Yeah. And what oh, is this, a kind of rock, yeah. Chris? Yeah, it's uh, igneous, and it's uh, usually uh, volcanic in nature, I wow. believe. Isn't that right? Is that what she told you? I, schist, she didn't mention isn't that volcanic. Right? Is? It, it, I'll have to look at it. It, it, almost, it almost looks slightly shiny. Yeah, it's, kind of this, hmm. it's got yeah. this reddish brown shiny thing. It looks yeah. like it's been under pressure. That's super cool. Yeah. Oh wait, do you mean chert? Uh, I don't think so. Chert's the the almost red stuff that looks marbly. That oh, is that's shiny. another one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's, that's also in Paso. Yeah. yeah, that comes you got a commonly, red shiny rock in Paso. Kind of. Yeah, it's like I mean, if you tumble it. So here's here's a Ken Volk reference for you guys. Yeah. He he had this rock tumbler, and he would always like tumble rocks. Yeah. We we're talking about him. That's like, pretty old school. He's no longer around. He is. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he, uh, but yeah. But he, rock he, tumbling's yeah, no longer around. It, he would give you rocks, <laughs> and I got one of the. I, I got a chert from uh-huh. Kenny. That he get, that he tumbled and it sits on my desk to this day. No way. Uh, but yeah, but he's like, yeah, hey, you want some rocks here? You know. You know, talking <laughs> about uh, rocks and and uh, soils, uh, you know, we actually uh, we you know had it defined uh, through the soil analysis that you know the the hill the hilltop uh, is uh, that we have along there is is ancient ocean and uh, ancient and ocean uh, seabed, uh, right? Seabed. Mm-hmm. For, uh, from 35 to 37 million years. Wow. And then down towards the uh, river, as you get down there, um, we, uh, it was more like 3 million years. But the, uh, the, the river rock um, that we, we, we pushed uh, down about 6 feet when we were moving some, some dirt in, uh, in about a 4-acre area, uh, and we found an, an incredible stones. Uh, and uh, it, it's, again, it's so... With 21 pits, there were quite a few things, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, that's what's always fun to, like, go walking around, like, Oyster Ridge or, you know, the vineyard, Santa Margarita Ranch, because, I mean, you'll just see big fossils in a whole, I mean, can't even imagine. We have some whale vertebrae that's unbelievable, amazing, and that was from the hilltop, so... um, it's 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 out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like it's like over at Calcaria or not Calcaria. I'm sorry, uh, Castoro. Jeez, I'm uh-huh. mixing my C's there. Hard consonant C's. Uh, You're gonna get on their schist list. <laughs> I don't want to be on anybody's schist list. Uh, so uh, I, I I once uh, went over to the hillside across from there. They own that property, but it's Whale Rock Vineyard and the festival, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, for a reason because they literally have vertebrae all over the place. And mm-hmm. this is years ago. I was doing a photo shoot at like you know, 4 a.m. or something like that on that hillside. Uh-huh. And I tripped on a whale vertebrae Dude, that, was really? sitting, that was just right out there on, on this hillside. Uh, and just, you know, I mean, I was like, what? That's just crazy. Yeah. But it, it ancient seabed, that's what makes us unique. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's Chris Toronto. We got also uh, Greg Martin from Seven Angel Cellars, Steve Gleason, Four Lanterns, uh, both... In the Templeton Gap AVA, which is what we've been talking about uh, all hour long, really getting a deep dive and getting to know it. Well, man, I would love to do one of these on every 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, this is really that, interesting. Yeah. Uh, even if we knocked out a couple in a day, like, I mean, a couple in a Monday, this is just so much fun. So the last wine that we got here, uh, first of all, we tried the Viognier from Seven Angels. We have the Tempranillo from Four Lanterns. This is a, a Zin Grenache Syrah Cab Blend from Seven Angels. Did we get and, the price point on that one? No, we did not. Good thinking. What's What do you do with Grace? It is about 34 Cool. The 2017 Grace, that's available. And then we'll also talk about your how we can uh, taste these wines with you guys. Four Lanterns, the 2018, is it Karis? Karis. Karis. What is the significance of this? Karis, you're going to love this, Greg, is a Greek word, which means grace. Oh, oh no God. way. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same name as the last one. That's so cool. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's talk about this beautiful blend. Okay, so this one, um, years ago, I... I used to have a, almost a photographic memory for wine. Uh, really? I could, I could remember every bottle I ever had. Um, wow. But, and how it tasted? Uh, yeah. yeah. Damn. But as I get older and as I drink more, I forget a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also have all the contact sports from my younger days, which <laughs> you know, aren't good for your brain either. Yeah. But anyhow, there was a wine that I had in 1991. 19, yes. And it was called Black Opal. Cheap Australian wine. I don't know if you've ever come across it. I loved it back then. Um, so I thought, well, we've got the Cabernet on the Templeton Gap property. We've got Syrah on the Willow Creek property. And I thought it'd be nice to marry those two and make a wine uh, that bridges both of our vineyards. So I blended them together, and it was huge and bombastic. It was over the line. It was just too much. Um, and so I kind of like, hmm. Have to do something here. Um, and at the time, we had this lovely, earthy Cab Franc. Mm. Blended camp, Cab Franc in, uh, 10% at the time. And uh, it brought it back over the edge. So it it was this side of too much. Uh, it was just a great blend. We loved it. And then this is the second vintage we made. And I put a little, I added a little Tempranillo to that, too. Um, so really came out nice. Love the wine. Um, very popular. So Cab Syrah and very... Uh, Cab Franc and Tempranillo. Very big chunks. And then, yeah, then a little Tempranillo, a little Cab Franc. So what does each of those, those smaller blenders, what do they each add that, that you really like about uh, this? Well, the, the Cab Franc, as I just said, sure, sure, you know, sure. gives that... So the Cab and Syrah both are big, fruitier mm-hmm. uh, wines. And then you put Cab Franc in, which is not kind of reels it back in, in like you're right, but yeah. it's, it's, it's more earthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that pulls the wine in a different direction and and blending as i'm sure uh greg will tell you it's it's not linear like you can't just add a little bit more and get a little more of that flavor because other things come out of the wine um it's very complicated um and then the tempranillo um it it has a a little more astringency to it and it pulls the fruit in a different direction it's almost like it's a great way to put it yeah like um you know you can have ripe cherries and not quite so ripe cherries and you blend them together you're going to get a different flavor um so we have cab and syrah which are big dark fruit uh and the tempranillo is a little more red fruit yeah so it kind of tames it in the way yeah it takes it in a little different direction and it doesn't take a lot um you know you can see the the smaller percentages are you know six percent right six percent doesn't take a lot to really move the wine Toronto, what do you like about this wine i love its texture i love the tension also in it like it is so mouth pleasing, mm-hmm. you know, and and just it just feels really luxurious uh, in the mouth. I love that the flavors, the Cap Franc uh, and Tempranillo that are, are like these little, almost adding a little bit of uh, spice. Uh, spi- thank you. Spice. Yeah. I want. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say pepper, but yeah. spice uh-huh. is better because it it has a little bit of not heat, but like that peppery kind sure. of components to it. But also just like it, other kind of almost baking spices type of things that. Mm-hmm really kind of makes you salivate yeah. and want some food actually. Yeah. <laughs> right now. This is good. <laughs> where can we taste both of your wines? Uh, Greg, let me know where we can find Seven Angel Cellars and how can we uh, taste? Uh, well, we are open Friday, um, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, we're at 830 Templeton Road. It's about uh, half a mile from the turnoff uh, to El Pomar. Mm-hmm. And so we're uh, very close, you know, about a about a mile and a half uh, from Templeton. Down. You like people to make reservations? Are we doing walk-ins or what? Uh, we do reservations. Um, we encourage that. 
Uh, walk-ins are, are are okay as well. Um, we we're you know pet friendly and, and cool. kid friendly. We uh, you know just fence off the children. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll jump in that uh, their website is Seven Angel Sellers, but it's seven spelled out, not the number seven. Got it. Yeah. But Seven Angel Sellers. All right, cool. .com. Uh, well, thanks for being here, Greg. It was really cool to have you in here and taste the the Viognier and then the the Grace blend. Really good. Really fun. Been a pleasure. And also to really learn both of these, you know, different respective brands, kind of like Steve put in the beginning, kind of bookend this sub-AVA that we kind of broke down today. Uh, Steve, um, 46 West, right? Where can we taste your wines and how can we taste your wines? Yep. On 46 West, it's 2485 West Highway 46. If, if anybody knows where Niner is, it's right across the street. Um, easy to find. We don't distribute, so if you want to drink the wine, you pretty much got to come to our place and buy it. Uh, you can get it online, of course. Uh, we're open seven days a week, um, 11 to 5. Um, in the summer, we do uh, Sunday night concert series. So cool. You can come a little later on a Sunday. And still get are we in the middle of that now? We are in the middle of that now. Cool. We just had a big one last night. That's why I'm a little green around the gills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. And, and same thing for his website, by the way. It's spelled out at okay. Four Lanterns. F-O-U-R. Yeah, for F-O-U-R, yes. FourLanternsWinery.com. FourLanternsWinery.com. Well, it was really nice to have you in again, Steve. Good to see you, my man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Wines tasting great, both of you. And you do, do you need an appointment to taste your wines or what? Um, we encourage it, particularly on Saturdays when it gets a little crowded. But, sure. you know, during the week, it's you can pretty much walk in. It's nice to have reservations because we know how much staff to have on hand. But other than that, um, we're pretty open arms. Come on by. Nice. So um, Seven Angel Cellars, Four Lanterns Winery. What a deep dive into the Templeton right? Gap, Mr. Toronto. Fun, right? That was great yeah. fun. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll do another show. Greg, did you have something else you wanted to add? Please. Oh, I just, uh, yeah, we do uh, music about once a month, twice a month. Cool. Uh, on weekends. Uh, but we have an upcoming event uh, with a 17-piece um, a band. Wow. And, uh, and, and it uh, will be this coming Saturday. We'll do it, uh, another event with the same band uh, in October. Right after harvest, and uh, they are uh, studio musicians, uh, uh, retired uh, music teachers, but they're a great group of people. Uh, they do some, um, you know, swing stuff. So mm -hmm. there's dancing there. Uh, we'll have food, uh, uh, tacos, uh, um, and uh, it'll be a good time. There'll be a little disco ball for people if they want to oh damn you know, yeah go go really crazy yeah so, cool um, it'll be fun awesome so that's actually happening this saturday this saturday six to eight okay cool and you can i guess go to the website yeah go on to uh, eventbrite or our website and um, get more information yeah i gotta give a quick shout out to Please. my brother at two moon sellers oh nice guess, brother uh, yeah when he was here he gave a Plug for Four Lanterns, so I got to do the same. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! Yeah, they're right there off uh, on the frontage road uh, before right, you get yeah. into Penn wow, City. You really know that's good. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Is yeah. uh, is Nancy still out there? Remember Nancy? Didn't she help start that? Nancy, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't Spanish know. gal? No, are you thinking? You're thinking uh, Seven Oxen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah seven yeah. Oxen. Yeah. I mean, I was right where it is though. Two moons. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. 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 I just got the number Two Moon Seven Oxen. I got the numbers mixed up. There's There's like all you guys with your thing. numbers and your names. <laughs> it's liars poker, right? Yeah, yeah. He said Two Moons. I said Four Lanterns. Greg said Seven Angels. You got to go higher every level. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so much fun to have both you guys in here, Steve Gleason, uh, Greg here from Seven Angels, and uh, Chris Toronto from Paso Wine, learning all about the Templeton Gap. Lots of fun, Chris. Well done, my yeah, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll do another one. We'll do like Adelaide. Oh, dude, we'll I'm totally down. We'll, we'll go like uh, Alpha Order now. You know, we kind of started at T, but you know, whatever. Yeah, what does it matter? Yeah, sure. I love it. Oh, great. Well, I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for coming in, guys. Ah, that was Thanks. great. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no problem. It's the Crush ninety two five. Liquid lunch here.